RadioInfluence.com. It's time for your Big Fight Weekend Recap Show. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, December 2nd, 2018 has come and gone, and we didn't settle anything at Staples Center in Los Angeles as the WBC Heavyweight Championship will stay with Deontay Wilder, but not without some controversy, if not some serious controversy, as it's a split decision draw against Tyson Fury of England. Welcome in to our latest edition of Big Fight Weekend, recapping that World Heavyweight Championship fight. Got a jam-packed show for you with some special guests coming up, some insights, some analysis, not just from the United States, but also from the UK. We love being with you here, whether you found us through Radio Influence, subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or tune in to this program, because whenever there is a big fight, we are part of it on Big Fight Weekend. I am your somewhat capable host. I mean, look, the bottom line here has always been in boxing. To take the title from the champ, you got to beat the champ decisively, if not knock him out. I said in the preview mode, I could not really fathom, could not really get my arms around that Tyson Fury would be able to win a decision, much less a, a close decision, in the United States when Wilder is the champ. That's just the way that boxing has always been, especially in the heavyweight division. You can date all the way back to Ali and come forward to guys like Holmes and Tyson and then eventually Lennox Lewis and the Klitschkos and now to the modern day to what Joshua and Wilder have for their shares of the heavyweight championship. If you're going to beat the champ, it's got to be decisive. And while Fury was good and was scoring and was winning rounds, the decisive part was Wilder with the big knockdown in the final round and We're going to analyze that and discuss that. So in the end, it ends up a split decision draw. One judge giving the fight to Wilder 115 to 111 with the two knockdowns, accounting for two points knocked off of Wilder's scorecard or off of a Fury scorecard. The uh, the, uh, Canadian judge is the one that had Fury comfortably in front, 114-110. And then it's the British judge that had it 113-113 in this one. Uh, which means the dramatic 10-8 round in the final round is what saved Wilder from losing a split decision uh, because even a 10-9 round, he loses on that scorecard. So the knockdown, the drama was all part of it. So for the first time uh, ever, uh, Wilder does not take a loss, but he doesn't get the win. He had been unbeaten at 40-0 with 39 knockouts. Now he has a draw on the card. And let's say something about Tyson Fury. I'm going to say this a couple of times with our special guests that are coming up. It says something that he still had legs. He still had zip. He still had punching power in the second half of the fight, in the final two, three rounds of the fight, and to get rocked and knocked down like he did in the 12th and get up and continue to battle on gamely. Uh, he deserves a rematch. If he didn't deserve the outright win, he definitely deserves a rematch. Let's do this again at some point in 2019. All right, so coming up here on this Big Fight Weekend recap show, we're going to swing out to Los Angeles. I love my man Jonas Knox from Fox Sports Radio. Does a great job with their overnight shows on Friday and Saturday evenings into the wee hours of the morning. The Prince of Darkness, as he's known. He's going to be straight ahead. Give us his insight, what he thought of the decision, what he thought of the moxie of, of Fury to get off the canvas should when it when should and will this fight happen again as a rematch i'll get jonas's thoughts then we'll go uh to new york and ari russell uh will be with me here love his insight as a boxing analyst he's been on with us before on big fight weekend he's based in new york city he's a big fight fan has some understanding ari might have a little different viewpoint here on the judging and the scoring so i'm looking forward to that see what he thought about this controversy and the decision as it goes 12 rounds it ends up as a draw and then closing the show i always love the insight a different point of view a different voice and that's the boxing writer that's david payne from england and uh give give us some taste here as we come off of the weekend of what are they saying in britain in the uk about this fight and what does it say for deontay wilder that he couldn't win convincingly against a guy that basically hasn't fought anybody of any credibility in going on three and a half years tyson fury a guy that at one point was walking around 350, 375 pounds uh, battling mental illness and drugs and then gets himself into shape and he's able to stick with Wilder and handle Wilder that way. I want to put that to David Payne, the boxing writer, in our final segment. So again, full slate of guests, inside analysis, sit back if you're a fight fan, different points of view and discussion on this fight being a draw and when will we see it? We're going to see it again. When will we see it again? Let's go here as part of Big Fight Weekend. 
Love the insight and opinions from all different places all over the country, all over the world. And we're going to bring in my Fox Sports Radio brother from another mother. I love the Prince of Darkness. Here is Jonas Knox back with me. You hear him overnights on Friday nights and Saturday nights on Fox Sports Radio. Big fight fan was on the air just after this Wilder Fury fight was going on on Saturday night. So let's bring you in. All right, give me an immediate thought. How good was this fight? Was and and was the the decision as bogus as a lot of a lot of people think that it was, Jonas? Well, the fight was very good. Um, a lot of action. Um, a very smart strategy by Tyson Fury. Obviously, the two big knockdowns. So there was highlights. The end was dramatic. There was so drama was there. Everything was there to make it a great fight and the heavyweight division needs it wilder's been in some really fun fights he's always fun to watch because he is so wild no pun intended um this one was it was another good fight um i wouldn't put it up there with the joshua klitschko fight uh, with all the knockdowns and the comebacks and everything but it was definitely a solid fight i thought tyson fury won the fight 115 111 um i i thought he which put him at nine rounds which i thought was fair uh, a lot of people inside the arena felt like uh, I, I talked to, to one person who was there who said uh, Wilder got job. There's no way you want to fight when you get knocked down two times. It should have gone the other way. It was clear for Wilder. And my whole point is you can't accurately judge a fight when you're in the arena. The judges can't even accurately judge the fight when they're in the arena. So when you actually take a step back and you watch each round and you see the pacing and the timing and just the head movement and the work that Tyson Fury was doing throughout the course of the fight and even towards the latter stages of the fight and in both knockdowns, both rounds he got knocked down, he came back to win the rest of the round. So to me, it was clear Tyson Fury won the fight. I wouldn't call it the worst robbery of all time. I'm happy they're going to get to do a rematch and make more money. But I just felt like Tyson Fury did enough. Hey, specifically on the 12th round, I mean, that was an atomic bomb combination of the right, but then the left was even bigger. I mean, it's amazing that Fury got up, but to your point that he was not wobbly, he was not finished off with more than a minute remaining in the round is incredible. It's a testament to him. Those are my thoughts. Your thoughts on how Fury showed something by not getting knocked out in that last round, Jonas. Let me tell you something. It's more than people want to talk about, um, you know, he, you know, God was on his side, and that's, that's, that's fine. And they want to talk about, you know, he's a really tough guy. Of course, everybody knows he's a tough guy. The most amazing thing about that was you don't withstand that shot and get up and finish the fight. And afterwards, 30 seconds later, he's got his hands behind his back, taunting Wilder again to hit him. You don't do that unless you are in tremendous shape. And to go from 400-something pounds to where he was, to not only lose all that weight, because you can lose weight, but there's a difference between losing weight and losing it the right way. He lost it the right way. He was in tremendous shape. He kept his pace the entire fight. That was the most impressive thing about that. His chin was phenomenal. His heart was phenomenal. His gas tank was on another level. It was out of this world. I was blown away by his cardio. Yeah, I think most people were were shocked because, again, the prevailing thought was the longer it goes because he had been so roller coaster with his weight and out of boxing for so long, it's going to favor Wilder. But that was that was not the case. Um, okay, there, there's a couple more here for you before I lose you, before you escape here as part uh, of Big Fight Weekend. Uh, I think critics of Wilder would point to this and say you could not score the big victory even when fighting in the United States, even when having this guy down. This this only reinforces the doubters that say that Wilder is not in Joshua's class or is not a great heavyweight champion, and that if a guy from that much of a layoff could test you and you couldn't put him away, that's proof of it what say you in response to that yeah it's wilder's an interesting one because he like his i mean he was totally outboxed it it was like uh, it looked at at some points amateurish to where just he, he couldn't get out of the way of a shot he couldn't land anything for majority of the fight he was totally outclassed but he's got this thing and it's this m80 nuke at the end of his wrist. <laughs> and, and it's like one of the great equalizers I've ever seen to where he could be losing a fight. Like Pacquiao always had a left hand. 
Freddie Roach gave, uh, developed him and his right hook to go along with it. But Pacquiao always had great footwork and great speed. Wilder sloppy. He's off balance. Um, he, he doesn't really use his jab effectively, even if he is the taller guy. But he's got this right hand that is so lethal that it equalizes everything. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this. And I'm trying to think of a parallel to it in sports, like not even just in boxing, where you're just not that great fundamentally, but you're so powerful that you get away with maybe Brock Lesnar mm. in the UFC, that maybe that's a comparison. I just don't know that we've seen anything from it. And he's smaller than all these guys, which is amazing. Yeah, and uh, and again, smaller in in the air quotes because you're talking about a guy that's six seven and, and goes around two fifteen or two twenty with the thunderous punch. Yeah. But again, the critics, uh, the critics are out that he could not put this one uh, away. All right, so uh, look into the crystal ball. I'm getting everybody's thought on this. Will we see this again immediately as a rematch? Right now, we're talking just a couple of days after the fight. They haven't announced. Will it be an immediate rematch? Do you believe we'll see an immediate rematch? And might Fury get that immediate rematch in the UK, for example? I don't know about location. Um, they could easily do a stadium. I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know about location, but I think it would be an immediate rematch. I think both those guys have such tremendous respect for each other. You saw that afterwards. I don't think the negotiations are going to be difficult at all. I don't get the sense that Fury in this second time around is the same sort of pain in the you-know-what that he was occasionally the first time around in dealing with. He seems like a guy who's so grateful to be here, has so much more appreciation. I don't anticipate a, a contentious negotiation. I think it gets done. I think it's the next fight to be made, and I think it's the one that could make the most money because it got so much coverage for the way that it ended on Saturday night. Yeah, and and look, we've been doing this a long time. I've been doing it longer than you, but you've been doing it a long time too. Suspicious decisions have been around in boxing for decades and decades and decades and decades. And there were a great many people that thought coming out of this that we might very well see a split decision or a draw, and that's exactly what we saw in this one. So it's just, it's boxing. It's welcome to boxing, and maybe we get another one. Final thought from the Prince of Darkness. Did you have a lot of people uh, weighing in this weekend on Fox Sports Radio that thought this was a robbery or thought that that maybe Wilder had won the fight or what other thoughts do you have as we put the the capper on Wilder Fury yeah majority of the people that I talked to felt like Fury won the fight um you know but but again the people inside the arena I think you know I think they got caught up in the emotion and when you see a guy who looks like he's finished and he comes back you sort of remember that as the last thing you saw and not the previous 11 rounds in which I felt he won, you know, nine of those rounds. Um, I, majority of the people I talked to who watched the fight on television felt like Fury won because they could see the work he did. But I think the people inside the arena maybe haven't gotten, unless they've watched it, a clear view of just all the work Fury did in all those rounds. Um, the judge who gave the first four rounds to Deontay Wilder, <laughs> I, I, that that. That's Dark sunglasses crazy. and a red and white cane pole is what we give to that shot. TJ, that that's that's crazy, man. Yeah. How do you the first four? Like, what are you watching? Yeah, I, I, that that is that is mind boggling to me. Well, welcome and, and to Pauly judging. Malignaggi, yeah, Paulie Malignaggi was right on to call it out afterwards, and maybe the producers weren't happy with Showtime that he was doing it over highlights. But he was pissed, and he should have been pissed. Uh, I felt like Fury got jobbed. Yeah, there have been bad decisions over and over again. Vegas, New York, uh, different ones where, again, you're dealing with human beings. And these two human beings gave us quite a show. And, again, Tyson Fury much better than most thought he was going to be. There's no doubt. Prince of Darkness, again, overnights Friday night into Saturday morning, overnight Saturday night into Sunday morning, also Sunday evenings for the NFL season. Do I have all of that correct? We find you on Fox Sports Radio over the affiliates the iheart radio app and much more did i leave anything out there on where we find you barking about all of it yeah you got me that's all uh that's all accurate all right so find this man i love his insight i always love when you talk a little boxing with me and hopefully we get to see wilder fury too thank you jonas knox thanks dude big fight weekend brought to you in part by touch vodka drink eat live local touch vodka 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We're talking sweet science on Big Fight Weekend and the recap of Wilder Fury and that WBC heavyweight championship fight that ends in a split decision draw as uh, Wilder retains the WBC heavyweight championship. Tyson Fury still has the claim that he's the lineal heavyweight champion after beating Klitschko a few years ago. We're trying to sort this out. This man often has to hold my hand here and straighten me out and try to figure it all out. He's Ari Russell. He's in New York. He's a huge fight fan. He's one of our analysts that we like to go to here on Big Fight Weekend. All right, welcome. And look, the consensus is that this was a bad decision, that Fury was robbed. He should have gotten the decision. So as we bring you on, do you agree with that? No, I don't, actually. I'll tell you what. I come from a different space in, in the conceptual understanding of fighting, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm not of the place of the Olympic scoring, per se, right? Um, I look at things more on the street level, right? So, like, if me and you are fighting, TJ, God forbid, <laughs> if me and you are fighting, right? And... Let's say that I got one knockdown and one knockdown questionable, right? And the second knockdown, and I got you on the pavement, we're out in their corner of the street, right? And I knock you down for for nine seconds almost, and you look almost like you're out cold, right? Um, everyone that's watching that fight, regardless of how many shots you got in on me and you never got me down on the ground, right? I think the consensus of everybody that's out on that corner of the street is going to say that I kicked your ass. Right. You won the fight. Right? You won that fight exactly. on I the street the corner. Right, right. Right. On a street corner. Right. I understand that's not how this thing goes. Right. That's not how it, it goes. But if we're looking at the sport, yeah, I get it. So, yeah, people are saying that, that Fury got robbed. I wouldn't say he got robbed. I would say that the way that the sport is constructed and how they score it, it might seem a little bit funny how he lost that fight, but the dude kind of got his ass whooped at, at the end of the day. And he caught one and he somehow came up like the undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he came up at, at like, I thought he was done. He looked like he was cooked. I thought he, they were about to spin him around. Like he was like, I'm like looking at, you know, Kenny Rogers, uh, Kenny Rogers roaster. <laughs> He just looked like he could <laughs> on the spin road, him around. On the rotisserie. So I brought this up with Jonas Knox. I'm going to ask the same thing of David Payne when we have him on in a little bit, the boxing writer in the U.K. What does mm-hmm. it say for Fury that he not only got up, but he, he survived a, virtually another 90 seconds, about a minute 15, 90 seconds, and actually landed a pretty good right hand and did not <laughs> get knocked out? What does that say? He did. I, he's a tough SOB, man. Wow. Like, impressive. By Fury, this guy, like... You look at him physically, he, he's just not a physical – he's not the physical specimen that Wilder is or, or many of these fighters are. And, and he is really a good fighter. Like, he is a legit heavyweight boxer. He's a really good fighter, and that guy is tough as nails. The fact that he got up in that and was able to not only that get up, but he, he seemed like he was you – know, like he went back to what he was doing the whole rest of the fight. And, and I think that speaks volumes and is great for the sport to actually see a fighter that's able to take a wilder punch like that and get up and still be able to finish the round and finish the round in, in, in a way that, that, that was quite impressive. Like he's still like, I think that it's good for the sport. I think what it does is it adds a lot more dramatic talk about it. It ta- has us talking about it, but it has the more than casual fan talking about heavyweight boxing. Um, it adds another element into the whole spectacle of the heavyweight division right now now you actually have to talk about this fighter and Fury being a legitimate contender as well um you know where where he had been because of his his record before but the fact that he was able to take that punch and get up and still fight I mean it's, this is like some movies guys like you don't this is like Rocky four it's it's insane it's 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 weird that it is like that it's like these he took such such a shot and was able to get up and still fight it speaks of volumes of, of, of the toughness and, and just and just the ability of this one fighter a bit to, to get up from that, that defeat almost and, and finish the fight and, and keep it as a draw because otherwise it would have been over. Another common theme that I'm raising myself and with guests, et cetera, how much do we have to knock 
Deontay Wilder that this guy had been off for virtually three years, fought a couple of guys you've never heard of, and then steps in the ring with Wilder and gives him that kind of test and forces him to go 12 rounds and was really outboxing him for a lot of those rounds. How much should Wilder be criticized that he didn't take care of business, didn't stop uh, Fury late? Does he deserve a lot of criticism that he didn't dispatch him, didn't knock him out, didn't win convincingly? I think so. I think that's fair criticism. Absolutely. You know, here's a guy that's trying to sit there and claim that he's the heavyweight champion of the world and that he's trying to unify the belts. Meanwhile, there's a guy across the uh, pond here that's saying the same thing uh, and, 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 and uh, is disposing of opponents that people allege are a little bit more ripe right. than, than Fury and, um, and, and doing it, and relative ease. I mean, yes, you know, Joshua's last fight was, you know, probably lasted a little longer than, than the experts. And I'm not considering myself an expert, uh, but many of us, I think I called it, I was one round off on, on when Joshua would, would dispose in, in that, in that one, when he, he ended up winning TKO. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that, you know, the, the criticism of Wilder is, is definitely warranted um, because, because of what everything that you mentioned, and uh, and what we've seen of 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 the guy that we think that Wilder's adversary is supposed to be to to be the 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 world heavyweight champion unifier mm-hmm. um, when Wilder and and Joshua fight, but the fact that Wilder wasn't able to win this fight outright and it's a draw, yes, he retains his belt, but the fact that he didn't win it and he really was losing this fight. If he didn't knock down Fury, he would have done. That was it. That was it. Hey, he, give the me. First knockdown I, I understand, and the first knockdown may have been a flash. The second one was definitely legit. Fury showed the toughness. Give me the insight because I love this. I was talking to you as soon as the fight was over with, and you said in yeah. the place where you were in New York, it was raucous. Give me, a, give me another taste of what of, of everybody witnessing it and watching it. Share it with us. Well, I mean, first off, they were surprised as hell that that Fury got up. Um, many, I think it was split. Like many of them thought that I thought that that because he had knocked him down in the twelfth round that it was enough for Wilder to win that fight simply on the strength of him almost knocking the, uh, you know, his opponent out where yes, he wasn't winning the fight on points, winning the fight on style uh, is enough in this. Like, again, we're, we're not really talking about Olympics here uh, where they actually have a specific scoring system. Right. The problem with boxing in the professional ranks is that, they they choose they pick and choose when they seem to want to deal with the scoring system and then when they want to open up it to interpretation objectivity right or subjectivity right mm-hmm. and so if you're someone that that believes in the scoring system part of it you know then yes then then fury wins this fight right if you're someone that believes that there's a little bit more open ended this to this and that the scoring is is relatively arbitrary and that there's style points that are included as far as knocking almost knocking the guy out well then you have to understand why the draw was put in place and 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 that that fury wasn't indeed robbed and that that wilder may have been the one that probably could have won that fight simple on the strength of knocking him out in the end of the end of the match but he did knock him out but the only person that was on the campus the whole entire time was one guy Right. And it wasn't it, it was not Wilder. Wilder nope. did not see the canvas. So style points, you know, style points go to Wilder in that one. And I don't know how much you value style points, but, you know, I, I, it's, it, that's the problem with the sport is that there's so much subjectivity and it's dependent. It's the eye of the beholder. So, you know, my position, I'm, I'm I, the way that I behold it. I look at it on the street corner and two people fight right? This isn't Olympics. We don't have specific scoring. So I'm looking at it on the eye test. And the eye well, test allegedly, case, I know what you're saying. Russell. Allegedly, as we talk with yeah. Ari Russell here, you can follow him on Twitter at Ari Russell. He's a great uh, resource for me to go to. He's in the New York City area where Waters fought several different times defending the WBC heavyweight belt. I love his insight on boxing. But the, I mean, there's supposed to be merits. It's effective aggressiveness is one of the things they're looking for. They're looking for who la- who lands more frequently. They're looking for who lands more of the power punches. Who is the one that is in control of the fight? Ring generalship, they've called it in the past, or in control of the fight. Who's right. better defensively? Who's not getting hit? These are all the criteria that are supposed to go into scoring these different rounds. 
But you and I both know what the case is. A lot of times a round may be nondescript. It's tough to tell who's winning. And to your point, somebody lands a big punch with 15 seconds left, and it doesn't matter what happened in the first 245. The big punch decides the round. And you're saying to you, the big punch that knocked Fury down should have said, if anybody's getting the decision, give it to Wilder, right? Well, especially because of so much arbitrary going down. Yes, you could talk about punch lands and everything like that, but what, what were the effects of Fury's punches? Compared to the punches. How about how about um, this in the stats? I went over this at the beginning of the fight. Neither at uh, the beginning of this big fight preview, uh, big fight weekend recap show that neither fighter landed more than thirty percent. They were both below thirty percent of their punches landing, and in the total of the fight, in the total of the fight, Fury lands eighty-four punches in twelve rounds, which is roughly what like seven a round. And Wilder lands 71 punches in 12 rounds, including the two big ones that scored the knockdown. It's not like some of these lighter weight fights where we see guys landing 200 or 300 punches. Combined, it was 150 for 12 rounds, Ari. So it was tough to score in some regards. It was. Very tough to score and close and even. And if we really look at it, yeah, like as far as like landing cleaner punches and everything like that, Fury obviously had the advantage in that throughout most of the rounds, right? You know, but, but as far as landing punches that had the effect, we already know the result of the effect. One guy was on the canvas twice, but let's take away the first one and just assume that one was, was a slip. Fury was on the one almost nine seconds. You know, maybe if it was a quicker count, he was done. <laughs> you know, maybe. That's it. To, me, to me, that's enough in a split decision, right, in a draw, uh, where, where if we're looking at the actual numbers and, and they're that close to begin with, to me, it actually, if some people are saying that Fury got robbed, I have a hard time saying that. Sure. You know, if anybody got robbed, it was Wilder. I don't think he got robbed. I think the draw makes sense, and it actually adds more drama to the to, to the division in general, which is great for the sport, in my opinion, because it means that it gives it another element and more stuff to talk about, that we can actually have more shows and <laughs> and actually have more good fights, potentially, to talk about, which is great, um, you know, and more competition. Uh, but 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 as far as you know, people saying that Fury got robbed, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to even argue that at all. In any sure. stretch, I, I just can't come up with any intellectual conversation or any logical conclusion to say that Fury got robbed. Not at all. No, this man always argues with me that Marvin Hagler got robbed 30 years ago against Ray Leonard, and we go round and round about that. I keep coming back to that on scoring fights. This has been going on for decades. I know we keep talking about that throughout Big Fight Weekend, that bad scoring and questionable scoring has been around for 50 years, 60 years in boxing. One more before we scoot along here with Ari Russell. This this has got to be a rematch. Are we going to see this in early 2019 here where they're going to fight again? And maybe they're going to fight in Brooklyn where you are. Maybe they're going to, because Wilder again's fought numerous times at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Maybe it's in the UK. I don't know. In a stadium in the UK. No, no, but no. I don't know. What, what do you think? Be, I think it's gonna. You're gonna have to have it in. You're gonna have to have it in uh, in Brooklyn. I think having it in Brooklyn would be great. I think you need the rematch before the Joshua rematch. Boy, I tell you what, this guy Joshua has been such a lucky guy. And I get it. You know, Wilder is a little bit part of the issue why they haven't fought each other. But, you know, the winner of this fight is going to find Joshua, and which is great. You know, I, honestly, I was impressed by Fury. He really showed himself. But I think they need to fight each other before Joshua and, and, and Wilder fight each other. Because I just think you need to resolve this one before Wilder even has an argument to fight Joshua at this point. All you right. know, and so... I, he, he, he didn't dispose of him completely. I think he, if he wants to, he's going to have to figure out a way to win it next time, whether it's by knockout TKO or by decision outright. You know, but but he's going to have to do that before he has a chance to fight Joshua, which I think, you know, if we're talking about a good time frame for a Joshua Wilder fight, we're talking about, you know, maybe they maybe this fight comes again in March and maybe again we have something in, uh, you in know, the fall. September, October, right in the fall, time right. for a fight, you know. You know, and that's in Vegas, whatever, a neutral place. I don't think, you know? hey, I'll tell you this, I don't think Joshua wants to leave the U.K., so that's another factor. So maybe this is one of those where Wilder wins the rematch yeah, in the United talk, States. Okay. Sure, but maybe Wilder wins this one and then says, hey, I'm willing to leave the United States and I'll go fight Anthony Joshua in the U.K. And then let's see what happens well, with we'll that. See. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, but we'll see. we'll see if this one comes back around. Any final thoughts before before we run along here to put this one to bed on, on Wilder and Fury? We both agree we should see it again I, soon. I Anything else? Honestly, the bit, the more drama we have with this, and this was this is actually a very good fight. is one of the better heavyweight fights that we've seen in a long time. Uh, the more we have this, the better it is for the sport. And you and I, as fans and people that are, 
you know, that analyze the sport on, on a, on a basis, on a regular basis to a degree. Uh, I think it's good for, for, for us because we have more stuff to talk about at a high level. So uh, bring it on and hopefully they're able to get something together before, you know, around March springtime. And then hopefully something goes and pushes something towards uh, maybe a, a September, October fight between Josh and Wilder. That's what I'm, that's what I think would be great for the entire boxing world and, having a major heavyweight fight with an American versus uh, a British fighter, two of the top in the world, I think would be great for the, the sport in general, and I think that trip is down the line. Uh, let's see if all of that plays out. I always love your insight. Thank you for putting up the Dukes with me one more time here, recapping Wilder and Fury, Ari Russell. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, you know I had to come back to him after the way that Tyson Fury fought in this fight in this 12-round split decision draw where Deontay Wilder retains the WBC heavyweight championship where Tyson Fury and his people are saying, yeah, but we're still the lineal heavyweight champ. I'm smelling something. I'm smelling rematch for both sides claiming victory on that. Let's see what this guy's smelling as well. Maybe he's smelling the stench of a bad decision. I'm not sure. Uh, Let's go back to David Payne, who's with me, the boxing writer from over in the UK, over in England, to get his thoughts on this. Welcome, my friend. I guess point blank to you, how entertained were you by Wilder Fury Saturday night in Los Angeles here in the United States? Oh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, even even the quieter moments when um, Fury really was on top in the middle rounds and Wilder looked at these most lost, I thought it was a clinic at times. It was great, great entertainment. And obviously, the drama of the 12th round, well, the 9th as well, but the 12th round, just I don't think I've ever seen anything like it and I may never see anything like it again. Um, just astonishing, astonishing. I still, I still watch the replays and wonder... That he won't get up this time. It's just a sta- staggering event, staggering uh, fight, outcome, everything. It had everything, didn't it? To it. Well, to, and to and we had off. a previous guest uh, that was just with us, Jonas Knox from Fox Sports Radio, and I, I asked him the same thing. He said the most amazing thing is not just that Fury got up, but the way he fought, David, over the course of the last minute to ninety seconds, whatever it was. To to uh, basically, you could have made an argument it was only a ten nine round with the way that he fought, and he was taunting Wilder while he was doing it. How stunned were you that he got up and fought that way and didn't just survive by hanging on and that kind of stuff after that knockdown? It's just, it's, it's phenomenal. I, it, it, Tyson Fury is like no other man on earth, as far as I can tell. And just speaking his name makes me smile because he just proves he just proves the impossible is possible. It's just phenomenal tj the, the you know as, as a writer I still struggle for words to to convey how miraculous it was i've seen so many guys knocked down get and and be waved off before he even get into six and the referee deserves great credit he, he, he got he got the balance of risk right in this occasion because um i think more than likely in the british ring the ref may not have even taken up the count he may well have been waved off interesting count so astonishing powers of recovery and where, where physically, emotionally he got that from. I don't, he, he's admitted himself. He doesn't know. And he's, and he's, and he's, you know, he's looked to the Lord above for <laughs> a reason. Uh, but it, it, it was, it was just amazing. Amazing. And, and as you say, to then get on top in that round two and make some sort of case that he may have even could only make it a 10, nine. It's just astonishing. It, it was like the cliche film script, but, it wasn't cliche. It was real life. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned Jack Reese, the referee. We've not talked about this very point, but I think, look, he does an outstanding job. I don't know how familiar you've been with him over recent years. He's refereed in a lot of big-time uh, premier boxing champions fights. That's the televising arm and the promoting arm of a lot of the fighters, including Deontay Wilder, and he's been around several of Wilder's title fights. But I think he did a good job of having awareness. This is a heavyweight championship fight. And Fury is, by and large, because the referee knows, either in position to win or winning this fight. And before I wave it off while he's laying on the mat, I'm going to make absolutely sure, can he get up or not? And then Reese took the time, as he customarily does, David, to say to a fighter, walk to me. Let me see you. Are you so concussed or discombobulated or whatever big word you want to use that you can't walk to me without wobbling? When Fury walked to him and put his hands up, I think Reese was like everybody else saying, if he if he's going to be finished off here, it's because Wilder finishes him off, not because I wave my hand right here. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's obviously a very experienced ref. Um, I wouldn't say he's been um, 
a name that well known to me. I try not to take too much notice of the third man because we're meant to be commentating on the other two in the ring. <laughs> right, right. But he was he, he did a tremendous job on Saturday. I thought right through the fight. Um, he was he was the boss. He was in charge without being intrusive. Um, and you're absolutely right. Perhaps it might have been slightly different in another round, but in the final round of a heavyweight title fight, which Reese is an experienced judge himself may have felt that Fury was at least holding his own, if not winning, which seems to be the general consensus, then he deserves every opportunity to get off the floor. And of course, he has a, he has an angle that none of the camera angles have been able to pick up. He's looking into the eyes of Fury, so he knows whether there's hope there or not, doesn't he, better than any of us. And he gave him every opportunity and Fury took it astonishingly. But his, his um, role in this fight was very positive and very important um, to the outcome. Yeah, no doubt about that. I was just thinking of this when you were saying this as we talk with David Payne here, the boxing writer. Uh, the boxingwriter.co.uk is his website uh, over in England, giving me great insight in advance of this Wilder Fury 12 round split decision draw, and now giving me some post fight analysis as well. I love getting to chat with this guy. Uh, more with him in just a second, but I, I love when you said that about the, you know nobody pays to see the officials officiate is one of the cliches that we have in America. And I've often heard from boxing uh, referees, analysts, and whatever the best thing about a good boxing referee is if you don't know he's there and you don't know his name, that means he didn't do anything wrong, he didn't screw anything up, he he basically uh, kept the kept the fight under wraps with the rules and 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 officiated it correctly. If you don't know who he is and you don't notice him, so it's a good point that you make on that. All right, let's. Let's go back to the hyperbole of Tyson Fury because he deserves it. Say this again because you were tweeting about this as well. For a guy that was hilariously out of shape, 350, you know, maybe 400 pounds walking around weight. How stunning. Scale of 1 to 10, wasn't this a 9 or 10 that he had that kind of stamina left at the end of this fight, David? Oh, remarkable. Remarkable, and I think that even even those most positive about Fury's chances that he could outbox Wilder and all the technical difficulties that or technical deficiencies that Wilder has were in evidence again. Um, but the suspicion was that could he do it? Or the doubt was could he actually even even on the most confident of Fury supporters could he actually do it for twelve rounds? And he almost didn't. Of course, he was clocked in the last. But yeah, the the. The natural stamina and the natural fitness and the fitness he's put into his body over the last 12 months, phenomenal. Just going back, TJ, if I may, just going back to that point about the referee. Sure. They they, they are often criticised and there's a lot more noise about referees than perhaps there ever should be. But I think the delicacy and the skill of the role that they play is not only evidenced by Reese's um, performance, but the, but. Obviously, on the same evening, we've got the, 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 the story emerging around Adonis Stevenson, which is not anything to do with the referee necessarily. I haven't seen the fight. But they do have the care in the life of two men in their hands, and particularly at these heavier weights. Um, there's so much damage can be done. So sometimes I think when referees jump in too early, we should perhaps give them the good grace that they're acting as a human being and they've made a mistake. And yes, it affects careers, but it, this is a dangerous business. Um, so their, their judgment and their skill is, is so vitally important. So well said, we, we must, well, we, we said. Well, look, we must it, underestimate the role they play. And if I can interject one more, we've always said this, if you, if you follow the sport and you love the sport and I love the sport too, you would rather have the error be one punch too soon because if the error is one punch too late and someone is damaged forever or worse, then we all feel awful. Everybody involved, and the referee is sometimes haunted by that uh, as well. So it, it just, uh, you know, it, it's one of those where you're almost better served by being cautious and one punch too soon. But I think he did. Uh, the appropriate job. And again, back on the subject about Fury and the conditioning and that part of it, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this fight, that Wilder was unable in the later rounds to finish this off and win. And maybe that maybe we have more question marks about Wilder now because of that, David. Well, I think the, there was the, the whisper when he came in with the weight so low at 212 that he'd overdone it, that... Um, he, he, he maybe left something of himself in the gym, um, which is not to take anything away from Fury, but you do wonder what the, the thought process was behind coming in so light at 33 to be coming in lighter almost than he's ever been in his career was, was, was something of a surprise. He was obviously looking for speed, but it did suggest 
that he didn't quite have, or he certainly proved to be that he didn't have the strength or the stamina to 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 be busier. Um, but there were point there were points in that fight when um, Fury looked the better athlete, was moving better. Um, when Wilder looked lost, when he'd looked to have run out of steam, I mean, he still proved in the 12th round. Obviously, we have to come back to that that he did find a, almost a finishing shot. But there were periods when he, he he looked to have lost all game plan, all sense of how he could get back into this, and he did look um, drained at times, uh, either emotionally or physically or both, by um, what Fury was doing to him. And Fury did look confident and strong throughout, pretty much. Voice of David Payne with us for another moment or two. Love his insight. We're recapping the uh, split decision draw, the draw that comes up with each fighter winning on one card and the final card uh, ultimately being 113-113 for Wilder and Fury in the 12-round WBC heavyweight championship fight uh, coming back last Saturday night. Okay, uh, give us some perspective from over in the UK. It's been a couple of days now. I guess on the one point, how much are they lauding Tyson Fury? How much are they also saying in Great Britain, in London, in England, that, hey, Deontay Wilder it really doesn't have any business with Anthony Joshua because Anthony Joshua would have destroyed Tyson Fury. I'm sure there's a little of that. Too. Give us a taste of what's going on in the UK because you're there, sir, and I love the insight. Well, there's a few different strands to the storylines now. Um, what Britain loves is an underdog. What Britain loves is a story of redemption, coming back from whatever life's thrown at you um, to make something of yourself. And Fury is, has got both of those. He was an underdog going into this. Um, it's a story of redemption, coming back from the black hole, the abyss that I've written about this week that he was in. It's remarkable, and um, and then a sense of injustice on top, and you've got a pretty heady mix for a lot of headlines, a lot of goodwill uh, behind him, uh, and it's a complete transformation in um, the public's perception of him over the last three years. We have something in uh, which is kind of indicative of this point, but we have something in the UK on the on the national broadcast of the BBC called the um, Sports Personality of the Year, which is a bit of a misnomer, but every year it's awarded um, by public vote. And Tyson Fury was up for this award three years ago after he beat Klitschko. But there was a cut, there was a campaign online and 130,000 people signed it to get him taken off of it because of comments he'd made in the media about various you know, uh, society issues, etc. And here we are three years later, he's fought one significant fight and there is an enormous clamour and campaign for him to win the Sports Personality of the Year this time. <laughs> How about time. that? So, that that is it's it's just one measure, it's one metric, but it's a complete and utter transformation in his public persona, and it's it's been done sincerely. I mean, you've all seen in America that some of the videos and recordings he's done talked about his battles with mental health and how much this is a quest to prove that things can be done from the darkness of that kind of illness, um, and he was doing it for those people, which might seem a little bit um, opportunist, but I don't think it is. I think it's sincerely meant from the heart and. People have connected with that, and there's a real, there is a real thing. There's a, there's a swell of understanding and great transparency about mental health, particularly men's mental health, in the UK at the moment around sporting figures. And he's really joining into that debate, and is something of a beacon for it. So, it's been, um, it's been big news over here. Um, and Anthony Joshua and the Sky Sports Channel that cover him have been a little quieter. Um, but one hopes at some point all these three guys are going to have had one or two fights each with each other and we can look back on a great trio of fighters and a series of fights that could perhaps go down alongside some of the great generations of the past. Love it. Would love to see that. A couple more minutes left with David Payne. Boxingwriter.co.uk is his site. He wrote about uh, Wilder Fury. We encourage you again to go check out his site uh, and read all of his insight from the UK and England, including the aftermath of this fight. Again, I, I press you for, do most of the media or the Joshua fans feel that this somehow exposed Wilder? See, I told you so. If he can't beat a guy that laid off for that long while he's fighting him in his own uh, country and had him on the ground and couldn't finish him, see, I told you so. Is there some of that going on, David? I think there's a little bit of that. Um, there's been kind of the hipsters on uh, Twitter and social media, etc., suggesting that Wilder will now be very, very keen to get the Joshua fight because um, he's probably going to lose a rematch. So the Joshua money will disappear and he'll want to take it, which, you know, conspiracy theorists <laughs> will will come up with these conspiracy theories. 
Um, I'm not sure what will happen next. My, I'll, I'll stick to my guns that Joshua won't fight either of these two in April at Wembley. That'll be uh, uh, Dillian White, most likely, if he beats Chisora. And I'm still be, I will still be surprised if it's one of these two in the summer in another big fight. Um, I think the only person Wilder, uh, sorry, that Fury is likely to fight next year, I think, is Deontay Wilder, even if he has to wait until September for it to happen. But I could be proven wrong. Sure. Um, Fury, Fury re- rarely does anything um, conventionally. And uh, it's a complicated business with lots of big money and lots of egos around. So who knows? But hopefully this fight proved that there's a lot to be gained in the public consciousness and their their own legacy by fighting each other instead of talking about fighting each other. Sure. On Wilder Fury, do you think, prediction, we see that one almost immediately in the first part of next year or whenever these guys are ready? Do you, do you think that Wilder's camp goes for that? Fury Fury's camp, of course, will go along with a rematch. But you think we're going to get this? I mean, it hasn't. We're just a couple days out so far from the fight. But I, I think this could happen fairly quickly in the spring or or right around the corner as the next fight. Do you agree with that, David? A rematch? I think that's as I think that's arguably in Wilder's court. I think Fury would take it again. I don't think he's interested in um, anything other than Wilder and Joshua. I can't see any value to him, any motivation to him to fight in someone else in the top ten. Um, he's not interested in moving up rankings. He doesn't need that. So um, he's, I think the ball's in Wilder's court. And for Wilder, from my understanding of him in the American market, is that this is the first time that he's really crossed over. The, the, the beacons, really, the bat signal's really gone up on Deontay Wilder uh, in the American market. And Las Vegas would now be interested potentially in, field, in, in showing one of his fights, giving him a platform, which is bigger money. But that's surely only going to come if he fights Fury in a rematch. So having initially been cautious on that prospect, thinking that Wilder might not fancy another complicated rematch that he could lose, because one could assume that Fury can only be better for the 12 rounds that he's navigated. Um, I'm beginning to wonder whether really he's realistically got no other avenues to pursue if he's going to keep the momentum that this fight gave him. Well, we'll find out if they do this again. Uh, David, plug away again where the fans can read more about you, uh, keep up with you as well, because I enjoy your insight. I enjoy your conversations here on Big Fight Weekend. But when when you're not talking necessarily, where else can they read you, sir? Go ahead. Well, as you've been kind enough to point out, you can find me at boxingwriter.co.uk, which is my own site. And I also write betting previews for gambling.com. From time to time, and of course, on the land of social media, I'm on Twitter at the Boxing Writer. So I'll be happy to catch up with anyone if they want to get into it. I love it. I love the uh, the accent, the Boxing Writer. I love it. Uh, listen, <laughs> tremendous work here again. I have a feeling we'll be talking again soon enough about Wilder and Fury. I look forward to talking with you whenever whenever it comes up, especially fighters that are over in the UK. This man has fantastic insight. Go to that site and uh, and read his work. David Payne, thank you as always. It's a pleasure, TJ. Until next time. And that wraps it up for this edition of Big Fight Weekend. Again, a split decision draw for Wilder Fury. How soon will we see it? Maybe something like March, April, around the time of the Joshua fight. Will we get this rematch? As we were talking about with Ari, will it be at Barclays Center where Wilder has fought repeatedly defending the WBC heavyweight title? Will it be in the UK? Might they have this thing in Vegas at a bigger venue for a bigger deal on pay-per-view for the rematch? You know there's going to be a lot more money that's going to be made. Wilder made $4 million guaranteed. Fury made $3 million guaranteed. They both made north of $7 million or more by the time the live gate and the pay-per-view will be totaled out here over the coming days. So uh, you could probably double that money on a rematch here for these two guys that's coming uh, at some point. We believe it'll come soon in, in 2019. Let's see coming off the fight. Nothing announced as of yet. But still, unfinished business. There have been some boxing uh, fights and some rematches that have been dubbed as that in the media and in the marketing as unfinished business. There's definitely unfinished business with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. That we can conclude. My uh, thanks again to our guest, Jonas Knox, Fox Sports Radio. Hear him on the weekends. Follow him at the Jonas Knox on Twitter. He's the overnight guy on FSR and the iHeartRadio app. Ari Russell. Follow him at Ari Russell. A-R-I-R-U-S-S-E-L. Follow him at Ari Russell for some great insight on everything. 
everything. Uh, he talks sports. He talks politics. He loves boxing. I love his insight. And then the boxing writer, David Payne, at the boxing writer on Twitter, boxingwriter.co. Dot UK, boxingwriter.co.uk for his insight. Read his article uh, on the great comeback by Fury after the knockdown in that final round. Read more about it on David Payne's website. Love his insight from England. That'll do it for this edition of Big Fight Weekend. We hope to see Wilder and Fury in the ring again soon in 2019. Certainly was an exciting fight against Showtime. We'll replay the fight on their premium cable network coming up this weekend. If you're hearing us, you're going to get a chance to see it all on Showtime. Maybe you've seen some of it online etc or you watch it on pay-per-view we'll see we'll see how soon these guys tangle again it was controversy it was a good fight let's see it again let's see when it happens that'll do it i'm tj reeves thank you for being with us as we recap wilder and fury on big fight weekend this is a crush performance quick fix on radio influence so when we're working with a 10 year old young athlete regardless of their sport we're already thinking, hey, what are, what are they going to look like when they're 14 and 15? The problem is when we specialize, and it makes a lot of sense. One, because of the data, the 10,000-hour rule, just from the optics of it, if we dedicate ourselves to one sport, it makes sense that we're going to get really, really good at that sport and maybe have an advantage. But the problem is that's not how it works. And there's fantastic research out there right now that points almost across the board early specialization outside of gymnastics maybe figure skating those might be the two early developmental sports outside of that it's almost a death sentence for true true top potential i'm not saying you can't have success i'm just saying you really limit your athlete's potential as a whole and it's already hard enough to tap into the the top levels of sport in 2016 Urban Meyer, despite all of the news that's going on right now with him, but he posted an interesting graph for his uh, 47 recruits that year for the football team at Ohio State. Only five were specialized football players. 42 were multiple sport athletes through their developmental years. And here's an interesting one. I was just down in Vauxhall, one of the uh, elite academies I help out. And again, this is one of the conversations we have with the guys. And and again, we'll get to this right away, but this is an important conversation. We had a a team meeting my first night there. We're in the classroom and uh, a couple of the boys were missing. They were on recruiting calls, talking to college coaches about their upcoming uh, college years, talking about the program, the scholarship opportunities and everything else. And it was, it couldn't, you couldn't have scripted it better. Uh, One of the boys came walking into the meeting halfway through the meeting everybody's there so we all stopped and we said hey man how did the call go he goes yeah yeah really good and uh he he let his whole team know and the whole group at the academy know what went down and i asked him right off the bat i said hey did he ask you how many sports that you played he goes he looked at me and he's kind of a surprised look on his face he looked at me and he goes that was the very first question he asked me i said no doubt no doubt the first question that the college coach asked this high school player was how many sports did you play as a kid crush performance with jeff crushell can be found on apple podcasts stitcher tune in radio google play and radioinfluence.com